What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the ANJ Podcast. I'm Javin, joined by my co-host, Adam. What's up, guys? Uh, so we missed last week, finals week. Had a lot going on, very busy week for uh, Adam. I was not busy, but I'm just lazy. So, <laughs> But uh, we have a lot to talk about, and, and not a lot of time. So I think we're going to um, kind of do a little rapid-fire thing, right? Mm. But the main thing we want to talk about right now is uh, the Knicks clinching the fourth seed in the East. Yes, sir. Uh, how, how do you feel about it? I need to know what you feel about it. Come on, man. You know, I'm sad. Get the, bro, I am hyped, baby. Fourth seed. Who would have thought the Knicks finished in the fourth seed? Nobody. Not even Knicks fans. But we'll take it. We're happy. We're excited. We have a tough matchup coming up, Jab. We're versus the Hawks, which is, who mm-hmm. we, which is who we wanted to play. We talked about that in the last pod, which feels like ages ago. But we said we didn't really want to verse the Bucks. Yeah. We kind of wanted to avoid them. And it was very important that we versed. Uh, the Hawks with home field advantage, and it's going to be a good series. Yeah, so, I mean, to start it off, I mean, nobody expected Knicks to be this high up. Mm. Season started, people were predicting 22 wins, right? Yeah, almost doubled even it. Me, even me and you, halfway through the season, we were like, I think their ceiling is 6-7 seed. Yeah. And then they just went on, after that podcast, he went on an incredible run, uh, clinched the fourth seed, got the matchup that I think is the most favorable. Mm-hmm. I don't think you want to play against the Heat right now just because they're obviously doing a lot better than they did in the beginning of the season. And they have some great players that could just heat up at any moment, like Duncan Robinson. Maybe Tyler Hero steps up eventually. Jimmy Butler, Drogic, you know, they have a great team over there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the Hawks, it's, I mean, you know, Trey Young and. Uh, John Collins? Yeah, it's pretty much it, right? Yeah. Clint Capella. Clint Capella's a great pick and roll guy. Yeah. But, I mean, I think this is a very favorable matchup for the Knicks. And I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I see this like a five, six-game series, I think. Mm. I, I don't think it goes to seven. I'm not sure. But, I mean, the fact that the Knicks are in this position right now is spectacular. Yeah, for sure. You got to give credit where credit's due, man. Who would have mm. thought, especially with that tough second-half schedule, remember at the, half, the All-Star yeah. break, everybody's like, Knicks are going to fall off. The second half is brutal. And look where we, we did great in the second half. What, what what it was like it was just a repeat of the first half, even better. I feel like our team actually played better in the second mm-hmm. half. You know, the shooting was a lot better, the offense was a lot better. So give credit where credit's due. Tom Dibido deserved coach of the year, didn't get it, whatever, he'll get it next year. I guarantee that. Uh I, I agree with you. I think I think game six decides this series. I really do. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll go to I don't think it's gonna be a sweep, and I don't think it's gonna go to game seven. I think Game Six we'll, we'll see a winner to the series, and I'm hoping I'm praying that it's the Knicks because, like you said, it's a really favorable matchup. You know, it's kind of like all like number one offense versus number one defense, kind of mm-hmm. like really, if not number one, really close elite. You know, yeah. So, and the Knicks' offense have been playing better. It's not like they're a bad offense like they started this, at the beginning of the season. They're more competent. I think they can keep up with the Hawks if they, you know, rebound and and uh, make sure they're you know containing Trey Young. Because if they could contain Trey Young, the offense kind of slows down tremendously. Yeah. But it's easier said than done, obviously. So, I think this is a great matchup. Um, The first game, I think it got leaked. I forgot. I think it's Saturday or Sunday is the first Mm -hmm. game. So, that's going to be great. It's going to be prime. I think it's Sunday. And it's going to be a primetime game. You know, everybody's going to be watching it. Yeah. Just excited. And, um, I mean, the Knicks, man. I did not expect them to get fourth seed. Especially when they made no moves at the deadline. trading deadline besides yeah. D-Rose. Mm-hmm. And that D-Rose trade is fucking spectacular. Now, 
Looking back on it, I'm pretty sure we were giving it some some flack, but <clears throat> he's definitely uh, proven his worth, you know? Listen, on this podcast, we keep it real. Me and you were wrong about the D-Rose trade. We felt like it didn't move the needle, but man, did it move the needle. We are not sitting in the fourth seed if we did not make that D-Rose trade. We're probably in the seventh seed, sixth, sixth, yeah. seventh seed, and play, yeah, playing it in a play-in right now. So we were definitely wrong. Give credit to D-Rose and the front office for making that trade. You want to talk about the play-in games really quick? Uh, yeah, go ahead. I mean, so yesterday we had uh, Pacers versus the Hornets. Mm-hmm. Smack. Hornets, Hornets got smoked. Oh, my God. Hornets are not a good team. And then we had Celtics versus the Wizards, right? Wizards got smacked. Yeah, Jason Tatum went off. Jason Tatum had a spectacular game. And so now they're going to do, uh, what is it? Hornets well, versus... Today, t- well, today's going to be Spurs versus Grizzlies. I think who you think who you got? I got Grizzlies on that one. I I'll probably give it up to the Grizzlies too. Mm-hmm. But and then we I think this is the one I'm most excited for: Warriors versus Lakers. I, everybody in the country is the most excited for that one. <laughs> I mean, it's like after seeing them play in the finals, fucking seven hundred years in a row. Yeah. Now they're playing each other in a playing game. <laughs> uh, I th- I think the Lakers are gonna win this one. I, don't, I think they're gonna win it pretty handedly. But I mean, you never know with the year Steph Curry's having. I think it's going to come to the wire. Yeah, and he clinched up the scoring title yeah. at the very end. So, I mean, that good for Steph Curry. He had an amazing season. Mm. Nobody around him dragged that team to the eighth seed. Yeah. Um, And then we have Indiana Pacers versus Washington Wizards for uh, seeding, right? Or yeah. what is it? Uh, to get to eighth seed. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, that, that should be exciting. I think that's going to be a good game. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, what else is there to talk about in, base- in basketball? We want to give a little prediction about the series, what what the Knicks would need to do to win that series. I mean, every, every, everything you said, you got to, with the defense that they have, probably the, I don't think um, the stats have them as like the number one defense, but I think they are the number one defense. And I think it could be argued that they are. And I think they need to do what they can to lock up Trey Young. Because I don't know if John Collins is like, you know, I don't know if he's going to be able to lead the team to a, to a victory like Trey Young would be able to, you know? Yeah, so for first some guys that would have to step up this series is huge. I think Frank, I think that Peyton, um, I don't know if experiment's the right word, but I think Peyton's time is kind of done. I mean, he kind of finished the season only averaging like twelve minutes or something like that. Yeah. So I think his time's done, and he's not a good defensive point guard, even though he's labeled as one. I don't know why, but I think Frank stepping up, try to you know use his specialist, you know his defensive special specialist uh, attributes to try to clamp up Trey Young the best as he can. And I think, you know, you're going to have to look at RJ Randall to continue to be that one-two punch for us on offense. And Noel, Noel's going to have to protect the paint. Noel's been having a fantastic year. He's probably going to get defensive player of the year votes. Not going to win it, I don't think, because I think Gobert might probably has that locked up or Embiid. But yeah. he's been playing great. He needs to protect the rim. He needs to get those rebounds. He has a very tough matchup against Clint Capella, who has the size and mass on him. And he's just got to make sure he gets those rebounds, and we, they they don't get second chance points. Because if they're getting if they're getting offensive rebounds, and you give that offense another sh- chance to shoot, the series isn't going to last long. Yeah, definitely. You you don't want to get you don't want to let Trey Young get hot and start abusing every point guard on the on the roster. That would that's not going to be good, and then that'll just continue the entire series. You got to set the set the what is it? Set the what is it? Oh, set the bar game one. You know, you yeah. Gotta, let Trey Young know that he's not going to get 
away with whatever whatever he wants this whole series. Yeah, I think officiating is very underrated. How they officiate Trey Young this season, this uh, mm-hmm. series. If they're just giving him any call, he's playing his arms against the line ten times a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. But if they call yeah, they, they call more a hard nosed game, let the players play. I think I think this that that favors the Knicks because they're more of a scrappy team, grit and grind kind of team, and that plays mm-hmm. into their strength. Yeah, I I agree. So yeah, this is exciting, very exciting. First game I believe at least Sunday. So that Monday pod, we're definitely gonna have something to talk about. We're gonna either gonna we're, we're gonna come on this pod extremely mad or extremely happy. No <laughs> in between. It's, uh, yeah, hopefully it's the latter. Yeah. So that's about for the NBA. Oh, Monday we're probably gonna talk about that Laker Golden State game too. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, let's move it over to baseball because baseball has a ton. A ton of storylines going on right now. Let's talk about the Metsies, who are decimated with injuries. And oh, one injury we're going to talk about is the Kevin Pillar injury, where he got hit in the face by uh, a web um, fastball and yep. completely destroyed his face. Did you see his uh, face the next game, Jeff? No, it was bad. It was really bad. Both his eyes were swollen, his nose was broken. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yep. That was a um, really sad sight to see. You know, that's part of baseball, though. That's the That's the unfortunate thing about baseball you can't really avoid plays like that yeah um and you know i'm gonna tip my cap cap to kevin pilar for being like a really like inspiring kind of player right there in that situation because he you know he wasn't mad at the pitcher he wasn't trying to make it you know the mets didn't try to retaliate or anything Mm. he came the next day when he's like am i in the lineup or no like it's such a like it's such a good feeling you know it's very inspiring uh actions and words he's been saying so it's it's tragedy but he's making the best out of it you know we wish him the best yeah definitely i mean he's he's been you know he was handing off the what is it the lineup cards to the fucking umpires yesterday i think Mm, too yeah you know it's a i think the mess player should look at that and be like uh you know they should i think they should get like inspired almost this guy's face is all busted up into a million pieces he's still out there do do the most that he can for the team and i feel bad for the pitcher that threw the ball at him because he looked, he looked like he he was distraught, like he was traumatized. Yeah, I, no, I do feel bad for him too because you, you know, no pitcher wants to do that. No, no player wants to end a person's <clears throat> career or get them hurt for a significant time or, you know, God forbid, you know, something worse. So you could definitely tell he was, you know, distraught and, you know, praise out to both of them because it's tough to be in both shoes, you know. Yeah. So. Um, I think he handled it well. He said, you know, he apologized, reached out. Obviously, it wasn't intentional. I don't think there's any chance it was intentional, so it's fortunate. Well, if you want to talk about pitchers intentionally throwing at people. Oh, uh-huh. Like, you like that segue? You like that? I love that. I'm getting good at this podcasting thing, I swear <laughs> to God. But uh, we're going to talk about Tony La Russa uh-huh. and uh, Jeremy Mercedes debacle going on right now. What a storyline. <laughs> <laughs> This is truly a like a story. This is a great like a bad story and a great story all in one because if you don't know Tony Arusa, seventy seven year old manager coaching the managing the White Sox, questionable hire when it was hired because he's just so old and he's already in the Hall of Fame, and he comes yeah. and he has a drinking problem and he's kind of a boomer. I don't know if I can say that word, but he's a boomer. Yeah, that's all good. Um, so Yarmin Mercedes hits pimps a three zero. 
fastball. Well, not fastball. Is that it, was the slowest fastball of all time, son. Position player, Williams Astadio, is in the game in the ninth. They're getting blown out. Yarmi Mercedes swings 3-0. Pimps a home run. That was actually a beautiful home run. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. And uh, his manager, Tony Arusa, had some tough words for him, saying that, you know, it's not sportsmen like to do that, and there's going to be consequences, and this and that. So not really uh-huh. backing up his player at all. Yeah. Which is kind of a cardinal sin for a manager, to be honest. So, but mm-hmm. then the next game they throw at your mean Mercedes to kind of like say, "Don't do that shit," you know? Yeah. And Tony Russo comes out and def- and says, "I had no problem with them throwing at my player." Yeah, yeah, that shit was crazy. <laughs> what are you saying? What? What if he got hurt? Mm-hmm. What if they hit him in the hand? He broke his hand, or hit him in the yeah. head? You know, it's it's. Like, baffling. I mean, the thing is, like, bro, if you're throwing a 47-mile-per-hour pitch, I'm swinging at that shit, too. I don't care if you're getting blown out. And the thing is, teams have definitely come back from worse deficits in baseball. Yeah. In the ninth inning. It's not like, you know, I, I, I don't see the problem with it. And players are playing for contracts, you know? Like, yeah. that one extra home run looks better on his stats. And, he might, you know, he might need that. Who knows? But... Yeah, Tony La is just not backing up his player at all. Just saying whatever the fuck he wants. It's like, come on, man. There's and a... people love to see home runs is the thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. Home runs are always fun to see. That's the main part of watching baseball. No, for sure. I think La Russa's argument that it's not sportsmanlike. And it's like disrespecting the game. But mm-hmm. I personally, I think if you're putting a position player that's throwing 45 mile per hour meatballs, that's more disrespectful to the game than a guy... Hitting a home run, making a you know a blowout fun, yeah. Because the game's fifteen four, it's it's not fun. It's just at that point, just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. But him hitting that home run, it's exciting. It, it makes the game a little more exciting for the White Sox fans watching at home. You know, so yeah, definitely. I I think this is a really outdated take, and he's sticking by. He's doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on it, and mm-hmm. I fear that. He probably is going to lose the locker room if he hasn't already. Because now him and his star player, his young star player, Mean Mercedes, there's a rift there. Tim Anderson, who's uh, the shortstop on that team, he's been vocal about defending his his teammate and kind of going mm-hmm. against his coach, uh, his manager. So how long, like, how long does it take before the, the tension gets too bearable and, you know, it gets gets ugly quick? Yeah, definitely. So that's so that's a very interesting one. It's the talk of the town on Twitter and anywhere you look, everybody's talking about it. But mm-hmm. one storyline going underrated. Not not a lot of people talking about it for no reason. Like I, I mean, you were talking. I know the reason. I can explain to you the reason. Give me the reason. Do you know what I'm gonna? You know what I'm saying? The fucking team that this guy plays for sucks. <laughs> Terrible. We're talking about Otani, uh-huh. pitcher, right? NDH. Um, yep. And the season he's having right now is off the charts. I don't know a lot about baseball, but I, I can see what this guy's doing. I can see that this is special, you know? Generational, I would put it. Yeah. And so the question we came in here to ask was, is he the best baseball player right now, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say that a person that's pitching like he is and leading the league in home runs like he is, is most definitely the best player, if not the most important player on a team that you can have. I'm not saying he's the best pitcher, because he's not, but to be able to 
pitch like he does and hit the ball like he does, I think that's very uh very important for a team. And I think, you know, the fact that his team sucks so bad is that is the reason that nobody's talking about it as much as he should be. No, I I really need an Otani movement to happen like worldwide because he deserves it. Because what he's doing is truly, truly special. And we we'll, might not ever see it again in our lifetimes. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. It's just so rare. Um, the last person comparable to what he's doing is Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's insane. So, uh, like, he, what he's doing as a hitter is super impressive by itself, standalone. If he was just a hitter doing what he's doing, it's still super impressive. And to go out and pitch every couple of days, every fifth day or whatever, how they schedule it, and to be yeah. a pretty good pitcher, not a... He's not like a bullpen guy that pitches one inning every couple days and he's average, you know. He's a starting yeah, pitcher. No. He pitches good. He gets straight. Like he has good stuff. It's really, really exciting. And it's also mm-hmm. kind of crazy to think that there might be a player more talented than Mike Trout. Yeah, on the Angels, yeah. Yeah, on the same team. Like, it's so crazy. And it, you know what? The craziest part, Javin, is they have Mike Trout and Otani playing at otherworldly levels. And they're under 500. <laughs> yeah, man. That team is just not good. It's insane. It's in- I sent you a tweet earlier. For what did it say? It was like, watching Andrew's highlights are funny because it's talking about how fucking uh, Mike Trout's having like an otherworldly season. Sean uh, Otani's fucking leading the league in home runs. But they still lead, lose the game by like 8-3 to three or some shit like that. Yeah, I mean. Like, it's just sad. Angels are kind of a shit show right now despite being having the two best players in baseball no question it's you know this i'm not we're not gonna get into the angels and their mess but this is you know this this topic is supposed to highlight otani more than anything so we just want to start the otani chance and we, this guy has to be all over baseball i know tatis has kind of been the face of baseball that's their new pro protege but mm-hmm. honestly if i'm baseball i might i might swing it over to otani yeah, like no, I mean, he's young. Mm-hmm. He's young. He's doing what he's doing. He's an amazing player. Seems like a very nice guy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, why not, right? Think about like Ichiro. Everybody loves Ichiro when he was around. Mm-hmm. He could be in a, like a, that. He could be like that face that bridges Japan, where baseball is also huge, and Korea, yeah. you know, and and in the United States. So, I, you know, I would look into make making him the face of baseball after Mike. You know. Not after Mike Trout because Mike Trout isn't really the best face of baseball because he's kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. But like him and Tatis, man, can't go wrong with either or. You got to put him on like the next MLB, the show cover. You got to put yeah. him, put a slap his face on anything that says MLB. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this is, I mean, if MLB doesn't do it, I feel like they lose a lot of money because this opens up so much to <clears throat> the um, Asian audience of baseball. Mm. and even on the eastern side of the world, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think they should, you know, start uh, promoting this guy more. Yeah. It, it's a shame when, you know, we're hanging, when we're at the park, we're hanging out, and I, I feel like I can't bring up Otani, and nobody knows who I'm talking about. But yeah. if I bring, bring up Taylor, Horton, Tucker, everybody knows who that is. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. So, it's like, MLB got to do a better job at that. Um, 100%. Uh Let's swing it over to the NFL. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, schedules came out uh, last week, I think, something like that. Mm. So uh, let's just let's let's do a breakdown of the Giants' schedule real quick. 
Mm-hmm. So the first week they play the Broncos, right? Yeah. Then they play Washington, Falcons, Saints, Cowboys. And then I feel like this is really their first hard game that they have to play against the Rams, who just got Matthew Stafford, who I would say is a better quarterback than golf. That's why they traded for him, right? Mm-hmm. One of the best defenses in the league consistently. Aaron, Do- I mean, Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. And then Jalen Ramsey. are really good. You know, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's I think that I think any game where they have a good D-line is going to be a hard game just because we didn't do anything for our O-line. We didn't get any up. We didn't draft anybody. We didn't sign anybody. So, I mean, we got to have a we must have a lot of faith in the O-line that we have now, you know? Mm-hmm. Panthers, the Chiefs. The Chiefs is going to be a hard game. I mean, super back went to back-to-back Super Bowls, you know? Super Bowl champions two years ago. Obviously, it's going to be a hard game. Raiders should be easy. Then we have the Buccaneers and their D-line. I don't even want to talk about it. The, oh, my God. That's the one game that I'm most uh, most worried about. Even though we didn't have that bad of a game, a game against them last year, you know, hmm. I'm still very worried about their team. What do, what do you think about that game specifically? Yeah, no, I think it's Bucks at home. Very tough mm-hmm. to play at. Um, it, you know, they just coming off a Super Bowl. And the scary part is that they were getting better and better as the season goes on. So that just makes you say like, "Wow, give them another off season under this like the system, another off season to gel, another preseason, another how many weeks that is, and it's gonna be tough, man. It's that's gonna be a tough game, but we've seen the Giants kind of almost do it. You know, if it mm-hmm. wasn't for our late Daniel Jones fumble last year, we would have won that game. We would have beat them, but yeah, the Bucks aren't the same team that they were when we versed them, so." That's definitely one of the toughest games, if not the toughest. I think that Chiefs game playing in Kansas City, is, that's going to be a, a huge one to keep an eye on. If if that if, if the Giants could win one of these two games, just one of them, I think, I think that would be an ultimate win. Yeah, definitely. Uh, then we play the Eagles again. I think that's a, I think we're sweeping the Eagles this season, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Uh. Then we have the Dolphins, which I think is actually going to be a hard game, too, if I'm being honest. Dolphins look like a nice team this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just got Waddle, mm-hmm. who I think is going to be a very, very good wide receiver in this league. Uh, then we have the Chargers, which I don't think, also think is another tough game. Just, uh, you know, their offense is really good. Justin Herbert's the real deal, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Cowboys, Eagles again, Bears. And then Washington. That's the end of our season. Yeah. So, what do you what do you like? Give me predictions on season numbers. Like, what are we what are we gonna do this season? For record. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at this this uh, schedule, and I see a lot of tough games, but I also see a lot of winnable games. Like even week one against the Broncos, like I feel like that's very winnable, especially at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if I mean Drew Locke's not really gonna beat you, I don't think. So I think that's a good opportunity. I think then we have Washington Falcons Saints. I think those four yeah. games specifically. That's a there's a three and one start in there. Definitely, mm-hmm. I can definitely see that. Um, and then the next four games: Cowboys, Rams, Panthers, Chiefs. So it's tough. I can see us beating Cowboys and and Panthers. So that's like a two and two right there. Maybe we split one with the Rams or Chiefs. Uh, but we go three one. But let's just say let's go conservative two and two. So now we're at five wins. Uh, next we have Raiders, Bucks, Eagles, Dolphins. That's a that's a real tough one just because division, uh, division game with the Eagles. Um, 
let's just say we go two and two there. Now we're looking at seven wins. Then we got Chargers, Cowboys, Eagles, Bears. I feel like there's some wins to be had there. Two or three. Now, I think three. I'm looking. So now we're looking at ten. And then that last week, Washington. That's going to be a huge game. I, you know, Washington's going to be right there. So if we it depends on if we win that Washington game, looking at a 10-11 season, in my opinion. But things change. You know, injuries happen. You never you can never guess. But I, I'm really confident to say that this is like 10 to 11 win season. Like outside of Mahomes and Brady, not a lot of great quarterbacks reverse. Yeah, I mean, besides them two, I think it's Herbert and Dak uh, Stafford. Dak maybe too, but we have to see how he comes off with injury. But he seems to be rebounding well, which is good for him. I mean, I hate the Cowboys, but I don't want any. I mean, you know, you don't want to wish for you know bad on their players. Yeah, like let, let, let me name some cow, like quarterbacks we're gonna verse this year: mm-hmm. Drew Locke, Fitzpatrick, Jamison Winston. Uh, Sam Darnold, Derek Carr, Jalen Hurts twice. You know, uh, yeah. um, Justin Fields and uh, Tua. So yeah, lot not a lot of proven guys right there. Not you know, it's not those are not the Brady's and the Mahomes. You know, so yeah, I, definitely. I think I think we can win. I really, I this is a great season, especially with the all season we had and the draft we had. I see. I see a big season. I think anything under the ten wins, I'd be disappointed to be honest. Yeah, I I agree. I see. I think this is a ten win season right here. I just hope that our O line, uh, you know, doesn't fail Daniel Jones this season because I think this is his last season to really prove it that he's 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 our quarterback. You know. Yeah, this is definitely a big year for everybody. Gettleman, Judge, Daniel Jones, Saquon, like every, every there's a lot on the line this year. So that's why I think the extra motivation will will, will factor in. Yeah, I mean, listen, we went seven and nine last season, right? And we didn't have Saquon, so six and ten. Oh, so you're right, you're right. Sorry, but yeah, I still, apologize. But that's so much went wrong that year, so yeah, I think with Saquon back, you know that <clears throat> that just makes our offense scary on the run game and the passing game when it wasn't that scary last year the run game. So yeah, especially with all the wide receivers we picked up mm-hmm. and everything, mm-hmm. I think our team's gonna. I think our offense is going to be really good. And our defense is our defense, you know? Our defense is going to be good, too. I expect the defense to be really good this year. Yeah, me too. Like top. I, I think this is a good team. This is a really good team we have right now. I feel like we have a lot of depth this year, too, which we mm-hmm. which we didn't have last year, and that was kind of our Achilles heel depth. Mm-hmm. You know, we had Saquon get hurt, and Wayne Gallman filled in nicely, but some other players got hurt. and we Like CB2 last year, we had Yidam and Madre Harper and Ryan Lewis filling in, and those guys aren't starters in the league, and... Mm-hmm. middle linebacker edge you know this year i feel like I'm way better with the depth yeah definitely let's look at the jet schedule real quick the jet schedule is kind of interesting jav i, I think so too do you want to go through with it yeah so first the giants yeah so first game of the season how about this jets versus panthers mm-hmm. sam Darnold revenge tour question mark i mean question mark i kind of i kind of hope for it until we face him then i don't want it but I wouldn't mind a little Darnold revenge tour. Yeah, but on you know what? I kind of like the Jets matchup here, but I think Panthers also got a nice squad. Mm-hmm. They're at home. It's going to be tough to get the win. I don't know. That's that's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be super interesting. Even what either outcome, I think is going to be interesting. So that's a g- good game. Then they versus the Patriots week two at at uh, MetLife. Not really scared of the Patriots this year. I know they spent all that money, but. 
I feel like they spent a lot of money on mediocre players and they overpaid. And I don't know. Maybe, you know, Bill Belichick finds a way to figure it out. But I think the Jets can win this one. They versus the Broncos. I think that's a pretty even matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, they versus Titans going to be a tough one, but it's at home. Falcons at Atlanta. Patriots again. They versus the Bengals uh, at home. Uh, so running out the first half of the schedule, kind of tough. And then it only gets tougher from there. We got the Colts, Bills, Dolphins, Texans should be a cakewalk, to be honest. Yeah. Eagles, Saints, Dolphins again, Jaguars, uh, Bucks, and Bills to finish the season. So tough beginning, yeah. kind of tough end right there. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, I like the Jets offseason. I like the moves that they made. They also kind of got screwed with a tough schedule, to be honest. And their division's pretty good with Dolphins, um, Bills, and even the Patriots play the Jets tough. So, you know, what what do you think? I, I'm looking at this schedule right now. I thought about it before when it came out. I think this is going to be a 6-7 to seven win season for the Jets, which it shouldn't be disappointing to anybody because r- rookie quarterback, rookie head coach, so many new players on defense and offense. It's really tough to turn a two-win season to a 15-win season. It's just really hard. So yeah. I think this is going to be a good year, stepping stone. The Jets are going to get on the right track. I think, they, I think this is a six- or seven-win season with the potential to be maybe like an eight-win season. Listen, if you're disappointed about a six-, seven-game win season when you were about to win zero games last <laughs> season and you got a new rookie quarterback, I don't, I don't, I don't know what, you know. You're, you're hoping for too much at that point. Yeah, listen, we, we're all for optimism, but we're also all for realism. So mm-hmm. there's some games to be had. I think I think this schedule is tough, but they can come out if they can split with the Bills and Dolphins and, and Patriots, and then they could beat up teams like Falcons, Bengals. Um, we'll see how the Jags are. They, they play the Texans. That should be a win. They should definitely circle that one on the, on the schedule, make sure that's a – get right game if things are not going right. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. Jets are, Jets are kind of a wild card this season. I think so, yeah. I think it's like, you know, you, you don't really know what you're going to get from them until you play them, especially because they're so different than they were last year. Yeah, that's, those are the teams always hardest to predict when everything's different. There's no history to go based off, you know, so. Yeah, definitely. So we're looking at, we both agree, like a 10-win season for the Jets. I mean, I'm sorry, the Giants. The Giants. And around the six to seven win game, uh, win uh, season for the Jets. Yeah, I, I, I could see five too, five seven maybe something mm. like that. But I think overall it's going to be a strong season for them. I mean, and you can't get weaker than last season. So sure. Uh that's it for the schedules. Uh, let us know your predictions of what you think the Giants and Jets will finish. Uh are we too high on the Giants? Are we too low on the Jets? Let us know on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to switch it over to UFC, Jav. Yes. UFC. Uh, UFC 262 mm-hmm. happened 15th Sunday. Oh, Saturday, sorry. Uh, I thought this card was very good, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I So, I watched the first fight. And to me, this is the fight that I was excited about. I have receipts of me telling people that this was going to be fight of the night. And... Dana Wade agreed with me because he gave them a $75,000 bonus for fight of the night. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, what did you, uh, and, and you know, then Oliviera beat Chandler for the for the title. Let's just talk about that fight really quick, actually, because 
I thought I thought this fight, for as short as it was, was really good. Even though it only went like five minutes and nineteen seconds combined. Mm. So Chandler rocked Oliveira right in the first round. And I don't know why he did this, but he kept trying to uh jump on him while he was down. Even though Oliveira was not letting him. And I I this there was a fight that happened before when we first started the podcast where I said the same exact thing where I don't know why you would let a person stay on the ground like that to recover instead of just standing them up. I feel like if Chandler stood him up, then he probably could have been able to knock him out in the first round. And even if he didn't, he would have been, you know, less ready to go in the second round. And then in the second round, Oliveira hit him with a beautiful shot and just knocked him out. Put him on the mat. And Oliveira won his first championship. Broke all kinds of records for, like, most fights in the UFC without a championship, something like that. And, uh, you know, shots to Charles Oliveira. There's a lot of matchups to be had now. I can see them running this one back. I don't know if they do it immediately. But, uh, we'll talk about Tony Ferguson fight too. Hmm. Tony did not look that good this fight, I'm gonna be honest. Nah, I, I, Tony, I've been saying Tony's getting old, man. Yeah. Uh, it just, he didn't look good. Uh, uh, how you pronounce his name? Dariush? Uh, Benil Dariush. Dariush. Dari- I mean, he had, kind of had his way with him. What, like, what do you think? Where does Tony go from here? I think he's, he's fought so many fights. Yeah, I'm not sure where he goes from here, to be honest. I don't think, uh... Because you have to put some respect on him still. Like, he's, he's, such, he's such a great fighter historically, but... I mean, maybe they have him fight Dan Hooker next. I'm not sure if Dan Hook is fighting anybody, but he just lost to Chandler. Mm-hmm. Tony Ferguson just came come off, yeah, coming off a loss. But Dariush might get a ch- he might be in next in line for a title shot. Who knows? Yeah. There's Dustin Poirier's in there. Gage G's in there above him. But he he's number three ranked right now, so I mean I think Gage will give him some time to recover, see what happens. I think Gage would be a good matchup for him. I think for Oliveira? For uh or for Dariush. For Dariush. Uh-huh. Okay. I can see that. Um Oliveira. Who do you think they'll match him up with? Probably Poirier next. Yeah, right. So, Poirier, Oliveira, and then Gagey, Dariush. Think that yeah, m- title eliminator. Yeah, so, I think that, that's how they'll they'll, they'll um set it up. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be interesting how it, it's kind of shaking out right now, the lightweight division. Yeah, definitely. It's I mean, you know, even when Khabib was there, it was one of the most uh, interesting divisions um, what is it yeah it was one of the most interesting divisions and one of the hardest divisions mm. and Khabib left Michael Chandler came in Olivier is the champion champion now Dariush coming up Islam Makachev's coming up too you know they got a it's it's looking to be a very interesting division and a lot of matchups can be made in that division it should be interesting you know I think I think Olivier uh Oliviera having the belt mm-hmm. right now I think it's really good for UFC right now because Olivier is a good fighter, but it kind of feels like the belt's up for grab for anybody. It's like it's like it's not like Khabib having it and holding it down, and you feel like nobody's gonna get it. Yeah, I think it might be a dogfight for this belt for the next couple fights. I think the belts might switch hands a lot, a lot of rematches, part twos, part threes. I think it's kind of good for UFC to have like a the lightweight open open like this. Yeah, definitely. Like I can see, I can see Gaji or or Poirier or you know some of these like lower rank guys get winning. Honestly. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see what Michael Chandler does after this. I'm not sure. who he, he. I mean, 
Maybe he fights Darius next. He could fight Gates G next too, maybe. Just because I feel like Dana's really high on him. Yeah. And he should be. Chandler's a very good fighter. And he's proven from Bellator. You know, I think Michael Chandler coming into the division is very uh, very beneficial for the UFC. Chandler's kind of a wild card in here too. Yeah. Because he's a good fighter. I think he's just kind of learning more. He's still kind of new-ish to the UFC. And uh, listen, if he played the first the first round better, he'd probably have the belt right now, honestly. Yeah. If he like didn't, I, I think if he won, if he stood him up, I think he would have won that round. Yeah, I think he messed up because he wasn't really getting gaining anything when Olivier was on his back on the ground. Mm-hmm. He was. It wasn't like he was getting like punches or he's getting submissions or he's tying him out. He's kind of like a stalemate, and I feel like that was really his opportunity to to end the fight or do some serious damage because he he was cruising round one. Yeah, he's and, and Olivier just kind of came back around two and hit him with a with a hook that stunned him and Chandler kind of kind of messed up that fight right for himself. Yeah, definitely. How do you feel about the Barboza Burgos fight? This fight was spectacular. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you see the knockout? Yeah, of course. Punched him in the face and the guy like lagged for like yeah. five seconds. Yeah. Oh my god, that was so great. This, this is a this was a really good fight. Both these guys just did not stop punching each other this, the whole fight. There was no ground game. That was just a boxing match, pretty much, with some kickboxing in there. Yeah, it no, was amazing. I think that has to be like knockout highlight, like top ten type of knockout this year, because that was a like it's like it's so like it doesn't look real when you watch it live. Like he gets hit, he's standing, he's still going, like he, he's he's good, and then like three seconds later he falls over and he's knocked out. It's like damn. Kind of puts it in perspective that like, these fighters are kind of crazy. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, not for nothing. Like, a knockout doesn't finish a fighter off. They get knocked out. They're mm-hmm. still going. They're still punching. You got to knock them out a second time sometimes. Yeah. So it's uh, it's that was a great fight. Uh, it went three rounds, I believe. So it wasn't quick, but it was just three rounds of just guys just punching for the dome. Really. Yeah, I mean, if we look at the stats. No takedowns. Neither of them attempted one. Neither of them blocked one, you know. Only one knockdown the whole fight. And I'm pretty sure that was the one where he got knocked out, I think. Mm-hmm. It might have been. I'm not sure. But, I mean, 98 total strikes to 80 total strikes. You know, they were just boxing, pretty much. And that's, those are good. Those those fights are kind of refreshing to see two guys just swinging, mm-hmm. trying to knock each other out. It's always fun. And when someone does get knocked out, it's always uh, under, like a cherry on top, so. That was a great yeah, fight. That, this was a great fight. And uh, I'm pretty high on both these guys. You know, I don't think, even though Burgos got knocked out, I don't think he comes out of this looking weak because it was a really good fight. Yeah, it kind of shows. It's like this. It's like, you know, like it's like uh, one I can think of like the Zhang Weili fight or Joanna fight. They put it all on the line that fight. And I feel like they both came out winners, even though one of them had to lose, you know? Yeah. No, yeah, I, 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 I agree with that a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now uh, uh, Barboza, I mean he he has twenty he's twenty five and like three, right? Uh, twenty five and three, he, like he he's no, he, no, no, no. He, he he I think that's uh Burgos for sure. Burgos? Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, Burgos thirteen and two. Barboza's what is he? He's twenty one and nine actually. Twenty one and nine. Okay, so I was a little off, but still yeah, that, a little. St- still a a impressive record. So. Both of these guys are pretty good, man. It's just kind of like it's just interesting, like 
two guys like this that just don't take down at all while punching. Because mm-hmm. you never know what to expect with them. Like, they can knock out everybody or they can just just get taken down and lose. So, these two guys. I mean, this is why Featherweight is so fun. Like, the lower weights are just so fun to watch because these guys have so much stamina and they can just keep punching for nine, for, I mean, 15, 25 minutes, you know? Yeah. You don't get a lot of knockouts, but when you do, they're always impressive. For sure. Um, you have anything to say about UFC 262? Uh, Final thoughts? I mean, great card. Great Actually, card I'm going to be honest, I kind of underrated the card. I didn't think it was mm-hmm. going to be a great card, but it kind of exceeded my expectations and ended up being really good. I think mm-hmm. the Barboza fight was a great way to start it off. Uh, the Chandler fight, the main event uh, with the Oliveira, was uh, definitely lived up to the hype. It was a great, it was a really good fight. It was a good, it was, uh, a, it was a good card. Give Dana White credit, set up a good card. Two sixty three is looking to be an impressive card that we have to wait a whole fucking month for. Uh, I but boy, yeah. does it look great. Yeah, I you know, I hate when you have to wait so long, man. But yeah. this one might be the the the, the that might be worthwhile. We get Israel Adesanya back on the middleweight, mm-hmm. kind of chip on his shoulder for sure. Definitely a humbling experience losing his last fight. Definitely gonna come out and show everybody that he's still an amazing fighter, and so he's. He, I think he has, this fight's gonna be great for him. I think he has a a statement to make. Yeah, I mean he's already beat Vittori before, so I think he's gonna handle him again. Hmm. Pretty sure. Flyweight title belt should be fucking great. Like I just said, the lower fights are always fun to watch just because they just don't stop. And then we have Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz, which is interesting. Which is the third fight on the card, and it's a five. It's five rounds, so yeah. it's like a main event, which is like a, a three main event fights. You know, that's not a championship, which is interesting. Our boy Bilal Muhammad fighting Damian Maya. I think Bilal has a good chance to win this one, actually. Yeah, Bilal Muhammad, his last fight kind of got messed up because he got poked in the eye. Yeah, by Leon Edwards. Yeah, so I think this one would be kind of a redemption for Bilal Muhammad. Uh, lots of law on the stake right, uh, for him. Um, I'm excited for the Nate Diaz fight. I think Nate Diaz fights are always exciting. Oh, yeah. He's just, you know, he has that power now. He's like, he, he can just make a fight. You put him on a fight card and pe- the people are going to watch it. Mm. I mean, that's... Because he beat Conor McGregor, he deserves it. You know, he's a great fighter. He's fun to watch. He's a funny guy. Mm-hmm. Great fighter. Yeah, and then we have Hill and Craig to be getting off. Yeah. So these fights, you know, when it's like the two lower rank guys on the card fighting, they, they just try everything they can, you know, because they want to get higher up in the ranking. So this fight should be good in light heavyweight too. Yeah. we were just talking about. Anything goes when, in these lower rank fights. Because yeah, you really exactly. have nothing to lose. Yeah, for real. I mean, they're 14-15. If they lose, they get unranked. But I mean... You're right there still. It's not like you went from like 10 to unranked or something like that. Yeah. Looks like it to be a great card. Top heavy for sure with the three main fights. But still, I mean, Israel Adesanya always puts on a show. I think, I think this card has a chance to be really good. Yeah, definitely. I think that wraps it up. Kind of a quicker episode. We talked about a lot in a little bit of time. Uh, yeah, we definitely did. Uh, next week we'll probably do a more standard episode where we go more in detail, but this week, you know, just cause finals week and then, and Javin's busy after this. So couldn't dedicate too much time to the pod, but we had to get a pod out there. Uh, just to recap what we talked about, we talked about the Knicks in the fourth seed and mm-hmm. their matchup versus the Hawks and what we think that series ends up playing out. Talked about the Mets and their injuries, the Pilar injury, Tony LaRusso, Otani. Talked about football, talked about the Giants and Jets schedule and what we predict them to go. 
talked about UFC Chandler and Liviera. And we also talked about UFC 263, which is coming up in a month. So talked about it a lot in a little bit of time, Jav. Yeah, 100%. We banged this one out. Uh, let us know uh, what you guys think about the anything we talked about. Like, Do you disagree with what we said about the Knicks matchup? Are we forgetting something important with the Jets schedule and Giants schedule that we missed? And we think that's the difference maker in that season. Uh, let us know in the Twitter at uh, – what's the handle, Jav? Uh, AJ podcast underscore, I think. Yes, yes. AJ podcast underscore. You can follow us on Twitter. Let us know. Uh, yeah, that's a, that wraps up an episode. That job. I think it was a pretty good one to come back on. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll see you guys next week. Later. Bye.